Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. From the blackest corners of your mind, they call, pulling you deep into shadow, twisting your senses, keeping you from sleep. It's time to face your darkest fears. This is Tales to Terrify. Good evening, children of the night, and welcome to 2020. I hope you had a great holiday season, whatever it might be that you celebrate. At the very least, with any luck, you had a chance to unwind and decompress for a few days. I don't know about you, but I'm not at all sad to watch 2019 fade into the rear view. Here's to a killer 2020. Heading into a new year and a new decade, we've got a bunch of things in the works at Tales to Terrify for you to look forward to. Fresh new stories, some contests and extra content, and more frights than ever before. Speaking of things that are new and exciting, we've had a couple of new patrons sign up over the holidays. Your generosity means a lot to us that you enjoy what we do and choose to help make our terrifying tales possible week after week. And that goes for all of our patrons, too. If you want to count yourself among those who make this podcast possible, all you have to do is head over to patreon.com slash tales to terrify and sign up. In return, for as little as $5 a month, you'll get exclusive bonus content available only to Patreon members as well as access to ad-free episodes and more. Our current bonus content is The Turn of the Screw. The first episode came out last week, and the next one will be out tomorrow. So if you don't want to miss out, there's never been a better time to sign up. So what else is on the agenda for 2020? 
Well, if you're a writer, you'll want to keep your eyes peeled in the next few weeks. Tales to Terrify will be opening for submissions again in mid-January. Dust off your most dark and dreadful stories, or ink some fresh new frights. If you want a better idea of what we're after, pop over to TalesToTerrify.com slash submissions for all the gory details. And keep an eye on our Twitter and Facebook for updates. Okay, with that little bit of New Year's housekeeping out of the way, I think it's time we get back on the road. Keep a sharp lookout. If you're not careful, it's possible you might drive right past our destination this week. There's not much on the horizon around here to break up the endless, gently rolling hills and windswept plains. As the saying goes, there's a pretty girl behind every tree in North Dakota. Now, if only you can find a tree. Personally, I find the prairie landscape calming, serene even. But that might have something to do with the fact that it's virtually identical to the scenery a few hundred miles north where I call home. Looking around the calm North Dakota landscape, I'd bet you'd never guess that buried somewhere nearby, deep within the earth, beneath the charred foundation of an old church, lies a stairway to hell. North Dakota is scattered with the remnants of small, once prosperous towns that have been left to crumble in disuse. But few have become the hotbed for rumor and legend the way Tagus, North Dakota has. On the surface, there's not much left of the town other than a handful of houses surrounded by the decaying remains of other structures. Tagus was never a bustling metropolis by any means, but at its height in the 1940s, it reached around 140 people. By the 70s, though, the town had shrunk to just 14 and was disincorporated in 1976 after the last business closed. Despite that, some residents remained in Tagus long after that. But one structure that continued to serve as a landmark within the tiny community was the old Lutheran church. Or at least it did until it burned down in 2001. Rumors surrounded the abandoned church for years before it was turned to ash. In fact, there were many that believed the church was actually not nearly as abandoned as it appeared. Figures were seen moving in and out of the church under the cover of darkness. Strangers the handful of locals couldn't identify. The flickering orange glow of fires could sometimes be seen pulsing from the bowels of the church as well, leaking through the cracks of warped and worn boards to reach into the night. And strange noises were heard, too. Moans and groans, shouts and growls, chanting. Unearthly screeches that were at once hard to ignore and impossible to place. No one knew exactly what unholy things were taking place in that former sanctuary of worship and below it. But it certainly wasn't anything good. The symbol painted on the front door was proof enough of that. After all, an upside-down cross isn't exactly subtle. 
Satanists had taken over the little church, it was rumored, and they'd opened a gateway to hell in the depths of the old building. But as much as the rumors swirled around, they were not easy to confirm or deny. Sure, there were the cultists, but even a fanatical group of devil worshippers can't protect their secret portal to the netherworld at all hours of the day and night. So what was to prevent a bunch of curious teens from nosing around? Plenty, as it turns out. Okay, say you were out for an evening stroll through Tagus, and maybe you wandered a little too close to the old church. Chances are you'd feel it before you saw or heard anything. The hairs on the back of your neck would rise. That sense that there's something not quite right. And then maybe you'd detect a faint whiff of sulfur on the air. That's when you'd hear it. A low rumble, almost like thunder in the distance, but long and dry and ragged. A growl, unearthly deep. Two glowing red eyes emerge from the darkness ahead of you, deep set within mangled, wiry fur, so inky black it seems darker than the night itself. The only light comes from the fires that dance in its eyes, the orange light glistening off of slavering fangs. Hellhounds. Is there any more fitting pet and protector for a desecrated church housing the entrance to the underworld? I don't think so. Needless to say, I doubt you or any other trespassers would stick around long in the face of that kind of horror. I know I wouldn't. Although apparently, some managed to stick around long enough to light the church on fire. The church burned to the ground in 2001 in what authorities suspected was an act of vandalism. While that may have limited access to the stairway to hell below Tagus Church, it hasn't entirely extinguished the power of the place. If you stand in just the right place, just above where the church basement used to be, it's said you can still hear the agonized screams and cries of the damned drifting up through the earth from the still open stairway buried deep below. Now, if a portal to hell wasn't enough supernatural activity for one abandoned town, there have been plenty of other ghostly activities reported around the small area, too. How about a translucent ghost train that's been reported barreling through town on the overgrown tracks, only to evaporate into nothing? And if you take the time to wander the old foundations and crumbling structures around town, you might encounter strange, disembodied voices or tattered curtains that billow gently in a breeze that doesn't exist. If you do decide to stop in Tagus, be wary. The remaining residents aren't too fond of outsiders, on account of the constant threats they face from debauchery and vandalism. But a handful of angry locals might be the least of your worries. After all, when hell lies only a few steps below the surface, you're going to want to watch your step. Now, 
why don't we see what kind of horrors of our own we can dig up? Our first story for the evening comes from Janine Pipe. Janine Pipe is a horror short story author from Swindon in the United Kingdom. She enjoys both reading and writing creepy tales and has based several of her stories on real-life supernatural experiences. She posts original stories on her blog, janinesghoststories.wordpress.com, where she also reviews films and books of the same genre. She hopes one day to have her written work published, and for now, has had several stories read out in a UK radio interview and on a UK ghost podcast. She especially likes urban legends and creepypasta, and her literary heroes are Stephen King and C.J. Tudor. Children of the Night, join me for Janine Pipe's Adam, a Tales to Terrify original. Did you ever get that warm and fuzzy feeling when you first meet someone that you really like for the first time? Your heart beats a little faster, you start to sweat and get that feeling of butterflies in your belly? That was what happened the very first time I saw Adam. It was late November and really cold out. Sometimes I walk home after work, but it's been a long and hard day and my feet were hurting. Could spare a couple of dollars to ride home in the warm instead. The night bus is usually pretty empty, sometimes a few students heading home after a late night study session and some shift workers maybe. The night was much the same, a couple of bodies here and there. I walked to the back and settled myself in for the ride. The driver pulled over two stops from where I'd gotten on, and that was when I saw him. Adam walked onto the bus, a vision of perfection. He wore a thick, dark jacket, jeans that fit just right and a black beanie on his head. He looked tired and slightly scruffy, but that was so damn sexy. As he paid the driver and turned, his eyes met mine for just a second before he sat down. That was enough. That look was all I needed to know, that I was in love and that he felt exactly the same way. I could barely breathe. I stared at the back of his head, drinking in every single detail my lust for him growing every second. He shifted in his seat a little, and I let out a soft moan. Even the way he moved was so very attractive. When he reached his hand forward to push the bell indicating that he wanted the driver to stop, I could feel tears welling in my eyes. No, Adam, I I wanted to shout. My stop isn't yet. Wait for me. But I said nothing. Just watched as he departed the bus thanking the driver and walking off into the night. As he passed the window at the back where I was sitting, I stared out the window at him, and he looked up and smiled. A perfect, sexy-as-hell smile. And that was it. I knew, right there and then, he had to be mine. I could think of nothing else. I wrote down everything I could recall about him. 
not wanting to forget a single detail. I made sure to note the exact stops he had gotten on and off. I looked on Google Maps to see where the nearest houses were to the stop and tried to imagine which was his. I knew he must be at home thinking of me. I dreamt of him that night. I felt his warm body next to mine. It felt so real. I actually cried when I woke up in the morning and realized it was only a dream. He wasn't really there, waiting to greet me with those gorgeous eyes and sexy smile. I was in a daydream all day at work. could barely concentrate. It's a good thing my customers don't really expect too much conversation. I was lost, and he was all I could think about. Finally, the end of the workday and time to get on the bus. I'd stayed late again, just to make sure it was the exact same time as yesterday. I'd spent ages in the bathroom trying to make sure my hair and makeup looked good. My heartbeat so damn fast as I stood waiting for the bus. I yearned to see him again. I physically ached for him. I felt as though my life actually depended upon the moment he stepped on the bus. The driver pulled over, and I got on, and it was empty. Good. I sat in the middle this time so that I could be closer to him, and I waited. When he didn't get on the same stop as yesterday, I felt a pain in my chest. Like someone stabbed me, but it's okay, I reassured myself. He wanted some extra exercise, that's why he's so freaking hot. He's getting on the next one. But again, there was no one. The physical pain was almost too much to bear. Why is he abandoning me? Where is he? Who is he with? By the time I'd left the bus and arrived home, I was nearly boiling over with rage. How dare he forsake me? I'd find him and make him pay. No, not him. He's too perfect. I, I reasoned with myself. It wasn't his fault. He must have been seduced and stolen away from me by some bitch. Some ugly, nasty whore with diseases and filthy promises that had taken him from me and he was helpless. He was with her right now, doing who knows what, but he was thinking about me. I forced myself to calm down. My breathing returned to normal and my hands were bleeding from where my nails had dug into my palms so hard. See, Adam, I will bleed for you. I carefully cleaned my wounds and then busied myself with my chores to keep myself from going mad. I was hungry, but not just for Adam. I realized I'd hardly eaten since I'd seen him. This, yet again, another confirmation of how deeply I'm in love with him. But the anger had resurfaced. Hunger pings. Luckily, there was still enough food in the freezer to sate my appetite, but it wouldn't last for long. I needed to find Adam. I slept pitifully that night. I kept seeing him with her. She was making him do stuff he didn't want to do. He only wanted to do that with me, and if I find her, I won't just kill her. Work was boring. I didn't have any new customers, and I was pretty much finished with the old. I tried something a bit different with one, but my boss didn't like it. Said the family wouldn't approve. I was only trying to make her look extra pretty for her big day. Less work made it seem even longer until the end of the day rolled around. I made sure to spend plenty of time in the bathroom. My customers really didn't like it. Maybe Adam would. The lipstick was so dark. It looked like old stained blood. I was certain Adam would like it. I could just see him staring at me as he boarded the bus, instantly fantasizing about licking my lips, biting down on them, mixing the lipstick with my real blood. My god, I couldn't wait to see him. I knew he would be there tonight. And sure enough, he was. This time, 
I was almost at the front of the bus. Again, there was no one else there, just me and the driver. Then the bus pulled over. He was there. As Adam stepped into the bus, he looked straight at me. This time, our eyes locked, and I let out an audible moan. This was it. It took all of my power and concentration. I'd never felt like this. It would be so worth it in the end. It worked. He came over and sat opposite me and smiled. He had the most sensuous mouth I'd ever seen. Perfect teeth. Heat rose over every inch of my body and it took every bit of control I possessed not to grab hold of him right there. I could tell by the look in his eyes that he felt the same. I knew the lipstick was a winner. His usual stop came and he made no attempt to ring the bell. Again, I summoned up all of my emotions focused on just how much I wanted him, all the time looking right into his eyes, into his soul. I stopped next. I rang the bell and got up. Adam followed. As we left the bus together, he grabbed my hand. <laughs> I couldn't look at him. I didn't dare it be true, but it was. We walked to my house. He followed me inside. That was it. I closed the door and locked it. He stood right next to me, so perfect I hardly dared breathe. He suddenly came forward and pushed me roughly against the wall and began to kiss me. It always starts this way. I can see the lust in his eyes. Now that it's actually happening, that I have him, the thrill of the hunt is over. I could tell him to do all those things that he so obviously wants to do to me, but I'm too hungry. So I let him kiss me, his lips moving from mine to my face to my neck. His blood is flowing so fast I can smell it, can feel his heart pounding. I kiss him back, gripping tighter and tighter. He's so into it that I wrap my legs around him. I can feel how much he wants me. Now I know his blood is at its fullest, and I carefully reach his neck and bite. Oh my god, he tasted even better than I knew he would. I sank my teeth in harder and deeper, literally guzzling his blood as it pumped into my mouth in fast, hot bursts of deliciousness. I'm not sure he even noticed. The spell I cast over him is still in force. He's still trying to kiss me even though my face is covered in his sweet-tasting blood. I push him to the floor and sit on top of him. He's still moaning in ecstasy. In his mind, this is all just some fucked-up sex game and he wants me so badly. Too bad he'll soon be too weak to do anything, let alone that. I slowly and seductively take off my shirt, and I see his eyes widen. I do a pretty good job of covering the scars with clothing and makeup, but with just a flimsy bra, you can see where the hunters have tried to stake me. Tried and failed, might I add. <laughs> hunters always taste particularly delicious. I looked at Adam. Despite having lost over half of the blood in his body needed to survive... And being on the verge of passing out, he was still trying to touch me. Poor Adam. It'll be over soon. I bent down over him and ripped his throat out. I only stopped to breathe after I drained every inch of blood from his body. And as I looked down at him, laying now very still, he was still utterly perfect. The look on his face was still sexy as hell and he hadn't even taken off his hat. The only thing that annoyed me was how hard it was going to be to remove the human head from its body. They won't just snap off. I have to really work at it, and I wouldn't just rip it off to eat later like I usually do. No, 
Adam's head wouldn't be food. Sure, I'd enjoy the rest of him when I needed to, but his head is the final piece. Once it was in my hands, I carefully stepped over dinner and walked over towards the locked cellar door. Not that I ever have guests, but just in case someone breaks in, you know. Security. I unlocked the door and headed down the stairs to where the rest of him was waiting. I was able to attach my last piece quite easily. Although I've always exceeded at ripping body parts, my job as a mortician has really honed my skills at sewing the pieces back together. As soon as I had seen him on the bus that day, I knew he was the head I needed to make Adam complete. There, my darling. You're truly perfect. You may be made up of several different people, but each part of you is exquisite. And all of you tasted amazing. Life can be lonely, you see. Especially when you're born of a siren and vampire. Now I have my Adam. I feel so much better. Till the hunger sets in again. But that's okay. Adam and I decided that we want to have kids very soon. And luckily, the mortuary is just down the road from a very nice nursery. That was Janine Pipes, Adam, as read by Andy Ochoa. Andy is a 20-something-year-old with a penchant for avoiding her fellow man in favor of the furry four-legged type. Her hobbies include listening to spooky podcasts, hiding in the dark, and, occasionally, burying a body or two when she isn't coloring. Thank you, Andy. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Life is full of what ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Our second story comes from Linda Lee Wiley. Linda Lee Wiley was born in Cincinnati, Ohio, 
and now lives in a part of Arizona known for its alien abductions and snow. Her story, Choke Cherry Lounge, appeared in issue number 61 of the magazine Not One of Us. Listen with me, children of the night, to Linda Lee Wiley's The Needle's Hiss, a Tales to Terrify original. The gray house. That murky shade the sky turns when it wants to rain but can't seem to spit anything out. How it is right now, in fact. Whoever painted this place was a goddamn masochist. Nina crouches on the porch. Two files extend from the doorknob. She twists them without any real design. You're going to break those off in the lock, I tell her. Skylar, I watched a YouTube video. I know my shit. Isn't that the way of the future? The pics shudder, but the tumblers don't move. She shakes out her platinum hair. I swear to God, they made it look super easy. Too bad we can't smash a window or something. Cornfields curtain us, so we might get away with it. My last arrest came at the hand of a random jogger. You can never be certain who is watching. My turn. I reach for the tools. She smacks my arm. You already have two B&E charges. It's time for a hobby change. Or a compromise. I kneel behind her, place my palms over hers, and jiggle the files. You know what your problem is? Associating with criminals while on probation? Because that's what my PO would say. The door pops open, hinges screaming from half a century of neglect. That. Plus, you have no sense of patience. Now you sound like my therapist. She wouldn't have brought you an eighth of chronic, and that's what my probation officer would say my problem is. That's why you're my favorite person ever. She hugs me. How much did Robbie charge you? Sixty-five. Too bad you couldn't tell him I sent you. Nina and I met in lockup. I went down for breaking and entering, again, and she was in for possession. We're not supposed to see each other or engage in our prior antics. Instead, we've swapped MOs and come here for privacy. Not quite a solution, but it sure beats rehabilitation. We step inside the house. Etched marble decorates the empty foyer. A staircase spirals upward. The banister laden with dust, safe from prying eyes. She withdraws an unmarked glass bottle from her purple backpack. It's like absinthe, but not. What an advertisement. How does that taste? Have a sip and see. She steals a mouthful and passes it to me. I swallow three times. The licorice flavor warms my throat. So many fruit flies buzz in my skull. This stuff's potent enough to be good by me. The ceiling creaks, settling. Her eyes narrow and tilt upward. Are you sure this place won't cave in? It's pretty ancient. It's only been abandoned since 1977. She laughs. Only. All right. That's triple our lifespans. It wasn't condemned or anything. 
Let's check it out, I say. The door slams shut. Wind brought upon by that darkening sky, no doubt. Nina rubs her goosebump-specked arms. I refuse to even blink. The whole time we shared a cell, she never once saw me flinch. I won't be the girl who was afraid of a house. It's just a house. Raindrops ping the roof. Guess that sky decided to spit after all. I flick my lighter and descend into the narrow hallway. Don't waste the fluid. Her fingernails pierce my shoulder. I kill the flame. An arson charge is the last thing I need. Straight ahead, several windows cast minimal light on bare hardwood floors. This is cool. She trots down three steps to the sunken living room. I follow her, grinning. Did you grow a pair while clawing my shoulder? We weren't all born into this lifestyle. Lucky me. A green star winks in my peripheral. I turn toward the far wall. A stereo rests on the ground, as though someone forgot to pack it. Its power button glows like a traffic light. Anxiety burns a hole in my stomach. Hit the lights. Who pays for electricity in a house no one lives in? Exactly. I drag my toe across the floor. Zero dust floats toward the ceiling. The wood's shiny enough to have been waxed yesterday. The bones in my wrists ache. If this place isn't as abandoned as I'd thought, we're beyond screwed. She hits a trio of switches near the steps. A whole lot of nothing happens. Pressure releases from my joints. Handcuffs might not be in my immediate future. I kneel next to the stereo. A turntable's hooked into it. The dust cover closed. As far as weird shit goes, this is pretty cool. Warm breath rushes over my neck. A constellation of goosebumps decorate my skin. I twist. Nina plants her hands on her hips across the room. I thought you'd case this place. I watched it for weeks. That's after checking it out online. This must be some kind of leftover. How much do you think we'll get for it? She sits cross-legged beside me. I dig my stash from my pocket. Nothing. Because I don't do that shit. I break into places to escape reality. It's like coming home for me. Same as getting high is for her. She snatches the bag. I toss her a pack of rolling papers and set the lighter on the floor. She unzips the plastic, releasing the sweet scent of citrus. I wish we could play that thing. I lift the dust cover. A record lies on the mat, the vinyl glossy and black. Why can't we? First of all, that light's a total fluke. She runs a fingertip over the receiver. It's clean as the floorboards. Static electricity swarms the air in spite of that. Second, she continues, shaking some weed into a folded paper. It's kind of primitive. I mean, have you ever listened to music without an internet connection? As a matter of fact, I grew up with records. My dad's a hipster. I thought he was a criminal. They aren't mutually exclusive. One of his home invasions yielded a turntable and hundreds of LPs, along with a component stereo system. He planned to hawk the whole setup for grocery money. Instead, he claimed it was too precious to part with. 
I spent hours playing those records at maximum volume, drowning out the growls in my belly. Let's try it then. She licks the joint shut. What's the album? The white label is simply marked A. It doesn't say, Maybe it's homemade. You can't press vinyl at home. It's not a cassette. What the fuck is that? Next, she'll tell me she's never heard of CDs. I ease the tone arm to the edge of the record. A sharp hiss resonates in my spine, like the onset of an acid trip. The LP spins once. Air prickles the back of my neck. Twice. Another crackle from no man's land. That might be all there is. Grooves that lead to nowhere and nothing. The third revolution weaves a spider web of bass. It's commanding, yet fragile. And though the needle's hiss flooded the speakers, these notes play in a different room altogether. Nina sparks the joint and twists the volume to the very top. It's akin to eavesdropping by holding a glass to the wall. I snag the skinny stick. Maybe it's a bad pressing. Primitive. She exchanges the lighter for the forgotten bottle of liquor. Like I said. A red slash of piano cuts between us. The not absinthe splashes Nina's jeans. Sweat stars her skin, now several shades paler. I start to lower the volume. She grabs my hand. Listen. The song mellows to a mere whisper of fingertips on keys. The notes rise to a sound pure as crystal, vibrating in my teeth. A female voice escapes the speakers. Although it's low, with the memory of whiskey and cigarettes, it soars. Her words slip together, paints running down canvas. What's she saying? Nina whispers as if the singer might overhear. I strain my ears. Something in German, maybe? Now, I'm taking German. Yeah, but are you really taking it? Whatever, Sky. You didn't go to juvie for stellar grades or perfect attendance either. I wrap an arm around her shoulders. She's not wrong. A guitar synthesizer seeps into the room. The lyrics wind a chain between the notes. Distortion renders the syllables incomprehensible. Nina shudders. Every night in our cell, she awoke screaming. At first, I thought it was due to being locked up. It also could have been linked to how she got there, whatever has her clutching that roach. God knows I have my reasons. I pass her the joint. Can I see your phone? How come? She wrangles it from her pocket. As you said, internet connections are paramount, and you have a whisper of a signal. Together, we sound out the shadow-licked words. I type them in phonetically, no results. I try a dozen different spellings, nada, every single time. Like it doesn't exist, she says. A dead language, perhaps or utter gibberish, designed to fuck with naive little trespassers. When all else fails, drink more. Some variation of that has always been my game plan. My rap sheet proves that hasn't solved much. I'd say this particular event warrants it. 
It's not like I'm posted in an alley somewhere. We're safe as houses in here. I seize whatever the hell we're drinking. Sparks alight my fingertips. The bottle shatters into a hundred pieces. The clear liquid varnishes the dark wood floor. Shit. So much for stealth, Nina says, her voice a sleepy rasp. Look at all that evidence you just created, Miss Criminal Mastermind. Let's not forget, I have gotten caught. I amble to my feet. This won't be one of those times. Hope not. She crushes the joint between her fingertips and brings her knees to her chest. Don't act like you're any better. You always insist on killing our brain cells. I care about you too much to let you go through life sober. Does that mean you'll help me clean? She shoves her backpack under her head. That's all right. This house came with an audio setup. No doubt it has some towels lying around. The hallways dimmed a few more shades in our absence. I press my hands to the plaster. It's damp and sticky, almost organic. I swallow a gag. It's a house. Nothing to be afraid of. And I am afraid of nothing. I retrace the path to the foyer and end up in the bathroom instead. Yeah, those brain cells are gone. A velvety sheen of dust overlays everything in the small room. I check under the sink. Gray towels clog the space. I grab one off the top and shake it out. Tiny legs scuttle over my hands. I inhale through my teeth. The insects creep across my forearms, soft as stray hairs. Criminal mastermind, indeed. Abandoned houses and jail cells are no big deal, yet a few bugs unravel me. Screw that. I head to the living room, clasping the towel. Warm light pours over my arms on my way down the stairs. My flesh, though it still crawls, is bare. Nina arches her spine. Shadows dance across her face, giving it the bruised appearance of old fruit. The music fades, along with the creeping sensation on my skin. Although the needle slides into another groove, silence pervades. I crouch by the puddle of liquor. I'm mopping this up, then we're getting out of here. She exhales, harsh as static. I hold the towel over the floorboards in question. They're dry as bone and clear of shards. Not even a watermark remains. Did you clean this? I rotate toward her. Her backpack lies askew. The roach flutters across the floor. She's nowhere in sight. Nina? Another barrage of clouds block the sun. Nothing but shadows tangle on the wooden slats. This isn't funny. My voice crescendos. The speakers hum, not with music, so much as a low drone, like bees. Electricity needles my scalp. My hair sweeps away from my neck. A feather touch draws a circle on my chilled flesh. I spin in the same slow rotation as the record. The baggie of weed flaps on the ground. Alongside Nina's backpack. She's still here somewhere. I crawl to the darkened hall. Dust cakes the spiral staircase in the foyer. No breadcrumb trail of footprints to be found. The hallway constricts into a throat, 
choking on me. The wet plaster roots me in place, as if to ensure I'll never leave. It wasn't supposed to be this way. I meant to get fucked up in a room full of windows, all teeming with sunlight. This hallway doesn't even know what a window is. Blackness jams my eyeballs. My heart ricochets off my ribcage. This is every nightmare I've ever had. In the empty closet of my skull, I'm lying on a bottom bunk, dripping sweat, cold as liquid nitrogen. Voice hoarse from screaming. Then Nina crouches beside me, asking what I see. What wakes me up each night like clockwork? It's this. Tight, dark space that stretches on for eternity. Where I was trapped for so long, still haunting me to this very moment. Except that wasn't me. Nina slept on the bottom bunk. She has nightmares. She's never seen me lose my shit. Nobody has. I won't let them. Music resumes in a crash of drums, timpani, fast as my heart rate. A muffled voice keens between the beats. It's unintelligible from here, and yet, the raspy sing songs familiar as my own. It's Nina. The hallway disappears. I collapse on the sunken steps. Newspaper colored light spills across my jeans. A tiara of sweat clings to my forehead. I wipe the cold beads. My skin's dry as the floorboards. Her voice is a vine springing up around the room. The tangled words are in some dead language still, not the German she's sort of taking. Skylar? She says, between the lyrics. Nina, can you hear me? The ends of my dark hair swish my elbows as if a draft crept through the sealed windows. I sit cross-legged in front of the speakers, spine arrow straight. Breath clots my lungs. The ensuing lines are gibberish. Then, a sharp combination of S and K rattles my eardrums. One time, my dad played a Black Sabbath record backwards. I didn't hear any secret messages on it. Maybe now I will. I hold my hand over the stylus. The needle slips into the next groove before I get a hold of it. A slashed artery of silence sprays the room. She's gone. I bite my lip, fingertips brushing the tone arm. Running the previous track backwards might be enough to fix this. The green star on the power button winks out. A hundred bells clatter in my ears. Darkness clogs the windows. The hairs on my arms stand up and multiply. I have nowhere else to go, except the address on my probation forms. I won't find her there. I tuck my knees to my chest and wedge the backpack under my head. A draft traces my spine, right as the needle hisses into yet another groove. That was Linda Lee Wiley's The Needle's Hiss.
as read by Meredith McNeil. Meredith McNeil is an actor and comedian living in Los Angeles. You can find her performing improv or walking, seemingly forever, with her dog, Presley. Thank you, Meredith. Well, children of the night, the hour is late, and we've run out of tales to tell. For now. Support us on Patreon for access to ad-free episodes and bonus content. As I mentioned, our current bonus content is the turn of the screw. Visit patreon.com slash tales to terrify to sign up, or if PayPal's more your style, you can support us via the link near the bottom of our homepage, talestoterrify.com. And if you've got a minute to spare, we'd love it if you'd pop over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating or a review. Ratings and reviews are huge to a volunteer-run podcast like ours. They help keep us on the charts so we can seep our way into the ears of new listeners. Tales to Terrify is produced by Seth Williams, Pete Morsellino, Meredith Morgenstern, Julia Zellman, and myself, Drew Sebastini, with original theme by Nebulous Entertainment. Tales to Terrify is distributed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Join us again next week as we conjure unspeakable terrors with more Tales to Terrify. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.